Welcome, everybody, to, is it episode 10? I think it's episode 10 of uh, Baseball Dorks. I'm your host today, Jesse Green. I'm with Ryan Olson. How are you doing? Not too bad. Nick Erickson, how are you doing? We're hanging in there. Awesome. Uh, Fernando is on a flight or something, can't be here today. That's okay. We persevere. We'll get the whole squad back eventually. Um, but. Let's get into this, boys. It's been, like, depending on the team, depending on COVID and whatnot, we're, like, 15, 20 games into the season so far, like 10, a tenth or an eighth of the season in. Uh, I'm having a blast watching baseball this year. I, like, I've been enjoying baseball games more than I've been enjoying them in previous years. I don't know if you guys are kind of feeling the same, but – I've been enjoying this year a lot. How have you guys been feeling so far now that we're a decent chunk into the season? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I was kind of feeling the same thing. Uh, there's still a lot of strikeouts, and I think that that could actually be addressed at some point. But other than that, it's been incredible. And Fernando and I were actually talking about this a little bit, that if you look at the standings, there's just no teams that are dominating right now outside of maybe the Dodgers. And there's no teams yeah. really outside of maybe the Rockies that are really struggling. So every night is just like teams that are competitive facing each other. And obviously that's not going to last all season, but it's been fun for the first couple of weeks to see that. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think going uh, diving into the standings as well, um, you know, you have in the AL, you have the Yankees, Twins and Astros in last place. Yeah, which obviously it's early season, so that's mm-hmm. not that's not going to continue. But it, it's just cool to see, you know, what teams are starting out hot and can they keep it up? Um, and and, and I, I just think there have been some really exciting games recently. I know the the Royals and Rays last night was just back and forth, just exciting small ball. Um, yeah, and the Twins and A's yesterday was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, so it, 13 to 12. It, it's good to see, you know, the baseball because of the shortened season, it doesn't seem like we're getting kind of a lesser product, which absolutely could have happened coming into, you know, with it coming off the heels of the shortened season, but also going into, you know, the, the new CBA in the off season. I know those are kind of far apart, but you could see it happening where uh, the the public sentiment is kind of like, this isn't that great, but it doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I feel, yeah, it feels like games are very competitive. They're like, there's a good amount of scoring, not too much like dead time compared to a lot of seasons. Like what people complain about with baseball, I feel like, through uh 
the power of God. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I can't name anything specific, I, but it just seems like baseball has been, baseball games have been very entertaining this year and I'm, I love to see it. But uh, like you said, Nick, it, it was a shortened season last year. The expectation was there was going to be more injuries this year than usual. And we are starting to kind of go through a gauntlet of injuries. I could run through a little, a few of them right now. Um, some key ones, Denelson Lamette, he just came back like yesterday. It was yesterday or two days ago. Uh, he finally came back, supposed to be really good pitcher for the Padres, pitches two innings, has forearm tightness in the arm where he's been having some issues and he might uh, I, I don't know any further really information. I don't know if either of you guys do, but is there was an update today that they, well, they said they were optimistic, but also the first word from the Mariners when James Paxton got hurt was that they were optimistic and he yeah. got Tommy John. <laughs> so you really never know until they've actually decided, but they've said that Lamette could possibly only miss a couple weeks if he's able to throw well in a bullpen session this weekend. So I guess We'll get yeah. another update in a few days. Lamette isn't recovering from Tommy John, right? No. Yeah. He... No, he had Tommy John in like 2018, but then he had, he got injured again. Remember he missed the playoffs last year and he could have had surgery, but he elected not to. And he's trying yeah. to like recover and rehab instead. And so it looks like he still might end up having to have that second surgery which will be horrible because he broke out in a huge way last year and finally started yeah. putting everything together and became one of the best pitchers in the league. That is true. Yeah. If you don't know him, get to know him. Denelson Lamette, he's dope, but he's kind of on a Severino path right now where he's just never going to actually be healthy. So I, I hope for the best for him. Uh, Drew Smiley, he should be coming back. I don't think uh, his injury is too nagging. He should be back either this weekend or some point next week for the Braves. Um, Acuna got hurt. Uh, he, it, I don't think it's too serious. He should be back this weekend or at some point next week. Uh, are you nervous at all about Acuna missing any significant time? No, no, I'm, I'm not. I mean, it was an abdominal strain from sliding. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't see, I, I, I think they're it's preserving like, him. they're, they're being cautious and it's understandable mm -hmm. early season. You don't want it to be a nagging injury that comes back in the summer or late in the season when they're actually pushing for, you know, postseason contention. So it's understandable, but it's like, do you really need to keep him out for five, five days? seven days so yeah even if you keep him out seven days he's probably still the fantasy points leader especially because he is he has been the most exciting person to watch he's just yeah. been absolutely incredible it honestly has felt because i know the braves their pitching has been bad and i, I their offense has been decent and it's only been decent really because Acuna has been unbelievable. I know Freeman's off to like a mediocre start. Albies has been bad and uh, Riley's been bad. So Acuna is really kind of. Ozuna's been bad too. Ozuna's been bad. They're like Acuna so is the Darnell. reason. Yeah. So they're not off to the hottest start, except Acuna is off to a blazing hot start. And they want him back as soon as possible because 
they'd probably be like three or four games worse than they are right now without him. So uh, I guess they're lucky that they're lucky that the whole division's banged up and that no one's really kicking off in that NL East. Like the Padres have kind of dropped a little bit and they're already looking up like six games behind the Dodgers, but that's not not really the case in the NL East where everybody's lagging at the moment. That does suck. That does suck to like be like you're six games behind the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are like fourteen and three, so that yeah. really doesn't and just even project say to be anything. the best team. Yeah, so, so the, the, Met, the Mets sure. are currently in first place at seven and six. So exactly. the, the, yeah. Bra- the Braves are a game and a half. So you know, kind of right. like we had predicted, the the NL East is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah, no um, doubt. Max Freed. He has not resumed throwing yet. I guess he had a pretty bad hamstring injury. He was off to a horrible start this year. Um, I don't know. This just might not be Freed's year, but it's not season ending or anything, but he's probably going to be out for two, three more weeks, and that doesn't help the uh, Braves pitching woes. Uh, George Springer it might return this weekend. That would be exciting. He, uh, be to get his. That would be a good season debut. Um, who's going to suffer the most in that uh, Blue Jays outfield? Like, who's going to lose their time because Springer's back? Gritchick? Probably. Gritchick's been well, pretty good. Yeah, and I don't think he would write – it's – wait. Teoscar was out for a bit, too. I'm not sure if he's – I don't think he's back yet either. But I guess when they both came back, I would think Gritchick would have to lose playing time. Yeah. Just be. because you're, I mean, you're not going to bench. Obviously, Springer is going to be playing every day. Teoscar is going to be playing every day. And then, um, who else am I missing? Who's their other starting outfielder? I don't know why I'm blanking on who plays left field for the Blue Jays besides Randall Gritchick. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I'm looking at up but right have, now. Because Gritchick's good, and I'm forgetting someone who's better than Randall Gritchick who sh- would be playing. Uh, Gurriel Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Lourdes. So I guess it just depends on if Lourdes or Gritchick is playing better and one of them will play, and they'll rotate around kind of. They also have the luxury of having the DH, and they don't really have, like, a guy that they play at the DH spot every day. Yeah, they wanted Telez to be that that guy, but Telez has been pretty bad so far. Mm -hmm. Um, Juan Soto, shoulder strain. Sorry to your fantasy team, Ryan, but – yeah, I don't think That's right. it's not it's nothing that serious. I th- he's on the ten day DL. He should be back by the time he's yeah the ten day DLs up maybe another day or two. But should like that's nothing too concerning. The Nationals aren't really off to the hottest start, but uh, should be fine. Starling Marte with the uh, Marlins. I wasn't expecting it to be a rib fracture. He has like a small rib fracture. And it was a non-contact injury, which always sounds nice, but I feel like non-contact injuries often are worse. Um, think about Teddy Bridgewater back in the day. But uh, sorry, you had, Nick, to do, you had you had to do that to me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nick. I just always think about that uh, whenever I, whenever I hear the word like non-contact injury, I think of Teddy Bridgewater, who was like tore the shit out of his ACL pretty much for I don't I don't even know he, he was just dropping back to pass and just yeah destroyed, oh, so like completely a, destroyed his knee 
I feel like a lot of ACL tears are non-contact. That's what, uh, I mean, Fowler's recently was non-contact. He just kind of overstepped second base and towards ACL. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah, with, it's just, it's a, it's like a hairline or like a small rib fracture for Marte. He'll probably be out for a month is my guess. I mean, I mean, he's on the 10 day DL, but, and they say he like he could resume baseball activities in like a week. So I just, I'm just assuming maybe he'll be back in like two weeks or a little or like around there, but he might be out for some time. And it's tough because the Marlins have been fun to watch. He's been good. And the Marlins have been a fun offense to watch and pitching wise. They've been very interesting. So it's tough to see that one of their acquisitions being did he, like that. Did he, I'm trying, I'm trying to find out what happened. Did he just get hit by a pitch or what happened? I think he, he got was just swinging. I and think he just he broke like, his rib. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> something, something like that. I know he was, I, I'm, I remember watching, he was just like wincing in pain after an at bat. And he was like looking all pissed because the trainers wouldn't let him back out on the field. And I was like, Oh, it's just some like little thing that people are being cautious about. He'll be out. He'll be back out tomorrow, but I guess he broke his rib. Maybe he was mad because he was really hurt. (laughs) So I've seen that before too. Um, Bellinger, Cody Bellinger. He just had like had a little foot pain and turns into a, uh, hairline fracture on his foot uh, to the chagrin of my fantasy team. Uh, he, there is no timetable for his return. He's able to jog lightly. I guess he took like some BP swings. So, I mean, he's not that hurt, but it's kind of one of those injuries. That's a stalemate where you're just in a little bit of pain. So I, I, I hope he recovers soon, but he's probably out for a couple of weeks. Um, if it's not any like team. the Dodgers need him, yeah, I was going to say they're <laughs> like he played like three games and they're fourteen and three, so it's not like they need him. But my fantasy team needs him, so I need to complain about it a little bit. But I mean, none of you guys are concerned about him too much, are you? Mm, I, I concerned uh, or, or, about him, maybe just a little bit, especially if this yeah. really starts dragging out um, because it did seem so kind of trivial at first, you know, kind of uh, like, a, oh, you know, he's going to sit a couple days to rest his foot and let that heal. But now it's dragged out to this hairline fracture and he's he's we're going to see extended time from this. So how long does this go? Um, I'm not, I, I guess it could be something to watch, um, long-term. I think it's probably more of a short-term thing. I guess for me more with Bellinger, I just am not sure he's an MVP type player either way, but that's more of a personal thought, I guess, because some people are still super high on him and I do really like him because he has all the tools, like literally is at least average at everything. And then well above average power, well above average arm. So he is a very exciting player to watch. The fact that he has that much pop and can play center field. You wouldn't expect him to be, uh, you know, a really good center fielder, but he's just so no, much fun was, to watch out there. He, he came he was up supposed as a first to be a first. Yeah. yeah, he 
And he was supposed to be, like, maybe good enough to play a corner outfield spot and, like, center in a pinch. And then not only is he good enough, but he's, like, one of the best. So that is pretty impressive. Just an ode to how athletic and talented he is mm-hmm. and the Definitely. and how good the Dodgers are that they don't even they don't skip a beat <laughs> without such an incredible mm-hmm. player. They just keep winning every single game. Um, let's go into some fun news. Um, as of yesterday, the A's won a wild shootout with the Twins. Uh, Buxton hit a uh, what they thought was a game-winning home, home run. Uh, in the 10th and to take a two-run lead. And then the Twins' defense just fell apart and ended up losing. And now the A's have won 11 straight. After being 1-7, and seven, they are now 12-7. and seven. Um, And the craziest thing is, like, they, going into the season, they were at 33% chance of going to the playoffs. They dipped down to – eight and a half, I think, nine percent playoff odds when they got to one and seven. We were all in this podcast, we were like, we're kind of panicking about them already. Like if if we weren't, we were right there, but they've won eleven straight. They're twelve and seven. They it doesn't seem like they can lose. Uh, they're red hot. What what are you guys impressed about with these guys? I mean, if the, if if the, if this isn't if this doesn't define the athletics, then I don't know what does. I mean, just yeah, yeah. so so streaky, and and you have to give credit. I, I, this has always been their strength in that they they just find ways to win. You look at their lineup, and you see some bright spots. You look, you know, Matt Olson's on a tear. Matt Chapman is, you know, he's a stud. But, you know, Mark Canna, uh, you know, he's good. But Ramon Laureano, he's good as well. They, they, they're very streaky. And they, when they're all cold at the same time, they'll start out one and six. And then when they're all hot at the same time, they'll go on an 11-game win streak. So that's just kind of who they are. And they play exciting baseball and – the twins are going to not win a playoff game this year. <laughs> if, if they keep doing what they just did you know, yesterday, they're not going to win a playoff game. But they also did um, – They so they had two errors in that last inning. What, partially that is because they pinch ran for Donaldson. So you would think in a big game they would probably leave Donaldson in for defense, but just to protect him right now, they want to put him on the bench. So it was Luis Arise who made that terrible throw that the Twins had the lead with two outs. And if he m- completes that throw from deep third across the diamond, the Twins win. But he airmails the throw. I think Donaldson probably makes that throw. Uh, but we kind of touched on this, um, talking about the A's, when we talked about them last time, that a big part of this, I think, honestly, is just the schedule that they faced – the Dodgers and the Astros twice in the first week of the season, a lot of teams would go one and six, one and seven in that span. And then in their last couple of weeks, they've faced the Tigers. They faced the Rangers. I think they faced the Mariners. Um, now they're facing the twins who haven't been playing well. So they just got really lucky. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if it's lucky, but just kind of how the schedule worked out. They had all of their hard games clumped up early in April 
and then a lot of their easy ones on the back end. But either way, 11 straight wins is impressive, even if they were all against the Tigers or something like that. So it's been fun to watch. And Matt Olson, you're right, is one of those guys who he'll just go on an absolute tear and just hit 20 home runs in a 40-game span or something like that. Yeah, it's truly incredible. Like, it doesn't even seem like any specific player, like Mark Canna and Matt Chapman have been fine. Um, their pitching's been decent. No no one, there's no in particular player that's really stood out too much. It's just they keep winning games and it doesn't seem like they're able to even lose. Um, yeah. That's I, why I don't I, really trust it as much long-term though, I guess, because they don't really have the pieces to me that stand out that would carry them to like a 95 win season. True. I guess no, I they're agree. just thinking that they don't have any holes either. That every time, yeah. every single game, they're looking at a competent roster with a competent starter. It's a good way to build a roster. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you're one of the smaller market teams, for sure. Um, Corbin Burns. Let's get, have a little Corbin Burns appreciation post. Um, this dude is insane. On fire. He looks like a he looks like a Wisconsin hick. I, I know the type, and he's like he's just a, he's the perfect Brewers pitcher right now. Uh, got got rid of the goggles and grew the hair out. As I said, hair is a, a supernatural power in baseball, and he's figured it out now. He's on fire. Forty Ks, zero walks, point point three seven ERA, point three three WHIP. Um, Somehow he has a loss in there. Uh, that's just, I mean, that's not he his faced, fault, obviously. No, he, but, yeah, he faced Barrios on opening day, who threw like seven shutout innings or something. And he let yeah. up a homer to Buxton, which happens. It happens. That's the, that's the, like, that's the, the one run he's let up. Yeah, so one, one run he's let up in 24 yeah. innings. So, you know, it happens, whatever. His, his K rate's near 15 Ks per nine. Just insane numbers um are you buying into this as legit or uh, like i I, it's it's hard to imagine him being this good all season but is he like a top 10 pitcher in the league oh yeah yeah i'm all in on that i'm all in on top five potentially i don't think he'll like end of of season top five pitcher in the league Uh, oh yeah i think the two guys, uh, Fernando and I were talking about this, actually. The two guys that stand out to me as if they stay healthy, they will be top three in Cy Young are Corbin Burns in the National League and Tyler Glasnow in the American League. I think those two guys right now just have talent that is almost unmatched outside of Jacob deGrom and maybe Garrett Cole. Um, with Corbin Burns, you're looking at upper nineties with ridiculous movements. Um, everything is cutting or sinking or sliding. Um, he's throwing ni- 92, 93 mile an hour sliders, kind of like DeGrom mixing a curveball in there. He looks absolutely unhittable right now. Obviously no pitcher is going to have a sub one ERA over a full season, but I could easily see two and a half ERA, something like that with uh, 35% or higher strikeout rate. I mean, we're looking at like a potentially a Shane Bieber like season from last year um, stretched out. Obviously we need to see if Corbin Burns can stay healthy over that time. But if we're talking about just performance, I think he's as talented as pretty much anybody in the entire league. 
And I agree. I, I, I got to agree with you. Um, and, and you can tell just by watching him pitch. Yeah. He has it's, it's four, different. four, five incredible pitches. They all move. And I think what's most impressive is he is – he is locating so well. He, I, I didn't see him in his, in his last start against the Padres, who are a fantastic team. I don't think he missed a single spot. Less than five his, his entire start. And I'm looking, he, the, the most he's pitched this year, he has six and a third inning in his first start um, and six innings flat in the rest. So... I'm thinking, you know, is his pitch count high? Why isn't he going deeper into games? You know, we also need to consider it's early in the season. He hasn't pitched more than 93 pitches in a start. Mm -hmm. So he can. A lot of the games have been blowouts, I think. So they've been protecting him with big leads. He can absolutely go another inning, you know, hit Mm -hmm. that seven pretty easy if he wanted to. He's not walking guys, clearly, because he hasn't walked a guy. (laughs) Um, You know, he's getting the Ks. He's uh, he has max four hits in a start. So the stuff is there. The location is there. The pitch mix, um, it's it's all there. And I do see it, uh, you know, obviously. He'll regress. <laughs> he has to regress because there's no way to keep this up over an entire season. But just it, it's he's going to continue for sure. Yeah, definitely. And we we've talked about um, the one-two punch, and I guess this year it's looking potentially like a one-two-three punch with Woodruff mm-hmm. and Peralta. And Woodruff was the one last year who kind of burst onto the scene, or I guess maybe even the year before. But to me, this looks even different than that. Like I think Woodruff is going to establish himself as one of the top 20 or so starters in the league. Um, but he just does not have the constant swing and miss stuff that Corbin Burns has. This, to me, looks like something different. Yeah, and what I remember what you said uh, to me the other day which made all the sense in the world is like Woodruff will blow you away with a 97, 98 mile an hour fastball, but it's straight as an arrow. Mm-hmm. And Corbin Burns is throwing this stuff with movement with crazy. Exactly. Movement. A 96 mile an hour cutter. Yeah. Like, it kind of, it kind of reminds me stuff wise, like he doesn't throw the exact same pitches, but it kind of reminds me just in terms of like overpowering stuff of Otani, if he could locate his pitches. Like that's just because when Otani locates, he's as dominant as anyone. He just can't throw his pitches where he wants to. And Burns was actually the same way. He had walk problems back in the minors, but whatever it is, the last year or so, he's really refined his command. And now he throws everything exactly where he wants to. And even if he didn't have good command, he would still be a good pitcher. But when you're talking elite stuff with elite command, that's Scion caliber. Easily, easily. He's been fun to watch because, I, I mean – I, I, I'm guilty of not watching enough glass now. I'd love to, I need to watch more of him. I've seen some DeGrom pitching, but um, I, I've seen pretty much, I, I've seen all of Corbin Burns starts and it's just not even close. He just mows everyone down. It's, so, it's domination yeah. against good teams too. So it's like, it's, it's incredible to watch. I love to see it. And I, th- I think that's that's the key, like that's the difference between Burns, uh, you know, Corbin Burns and, and someone like Otani and Glass now is that it doesn't seem like he's going 
for the strikeout. He's not pitching to strike them out. He's pitching to get them out. He just happens to strike them out because he's got nasty stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. like with Otani in his last start, he had, uh, I think, seven Ks and six walks. Like he was doing everything he could to not let the batters put the bat on the ball. Mm-hmm. At all, you know, and, and you see that with, with a lot of guys, you know, they might be going five innings, hitting nine or 10 Ks, but their pitch count reaches 100 so fast because they're throwing so many pitches in an inning because they're not throwing it in the zone. They're just trying to get the swings and misses. Um, whereas like Burns is just just going after them. You know, I, I don't think he had a single three, two count against the Padres. So I, I think that's just that's just a big factor and a big difference, and it's something that is sustainable um, over the course of a season. Definitely. Well, I think too what Jesse was just saying about um, that Corbin Burns's pitches have so much movement, whereas some of the other guys you were mentioning who are pitching for strikeouts, a lot of their pitches is as nasty as, the, as nasty as they are. Their fastballs can be straight, or their breaking balls can hang. So they're trying to make the perfect pitch because when they don't, the ball gets destroyed. But Burns' pitches move so much that even if he makes a mistake, it's hard to square it up. And that kind of reminds me of, I was just thinking about this, reminds me of like Jake Arrieta back in the day. Like he didn't even have to throw pitches like exactly where he wanted to or try to nitpick around the zone or not, well, not allow any hits or whatever it was because his stuff moved so much that he could just rely on weak contact if he wasn't getting the swings and misses. No, it's completely true. That, like, you just can't – even if it's down the middle, it's harder to hit than a straight fastball. Yep. I couldn't hit it at all. <laughs> Corbin Burns is one of the people that I'd be most afraid of having to try and hit against if I was yeah. a pitcher. Uh, not not a fun at bat. <laughs> yeah. but he's, he's, throwing, he's throwing all of his pitches with confidence so he could throw a fastball down the middle and just blow mm-hmm. it by you because you're not looking for that pitch he's just yeah. like well <laughs> there goes that yeah. pitch he always had the nasty stuff he just didn't have control and now he has control so he's damn near unhittable and it's beautiful yeah. to see I, lo- I, love, I love a pitcher who breaks out and is just dominant it's just so mm-hmm. fun to see and I live vicariously through it um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be the guy who talks about the days I pitched. So we'll move on. Um, well, quickly before I move on, is there any other like standout, amazing performances? Like I talked about the A's, I talked about Cor- Corbin Burns. Is there anything else that's like that standout to you before I get into the next section? Yeah, I, I guess uh, I'll uh, I'll bite on this, and I guess this does. Uh, take up my my attaboy but um uh why am i blank aaron nola <laughs> i don't know why that was hard for me to say um pitched his first complete game of his career and you think uh you think of him he's uh you know he's been a a, a well above average pitcher for the past several years and um you know to to hear that and he was truly dominant uh, you love to see it Love to awesome. see. Okay, well, real quick, this is also totally meaningless, but it's also awesome because it was Fran Mill, and Fran Mill Reyes is one of my favorite players. He's like, for those who don't know, he's like six six two eighty. Would you guys say? 
Yeah. He's, yeah, a, he's a monster. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. Like just massive. But today he had his first career triple. So that was fun <laughs> to see him go, run dude. around the bases. And it wasn't saw, even like a misplayed ball or like a, a diving attempt that got by him. It was a legit triple. So wow. Was, I, yeah, it was fun to watch. That that reminds me, I watched a gif today of Pablo Sandoval sprinting to first base. <laughs> and it was it made me laugh. You know, it was a that was a that was a fun guy to watch run. Definitely. Okay, so what we're what I'm gonna do now is I'm going to go to uh, this next session, I'm uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go from division to division, kind of a little bit rapid fire. We won't go too deep into these, but uh, I'm gonna give the current standings for each division, and I want you guys to say you could say who's like impressed you or a team that has disappointed you or, or anything surprising. Really, when I when I like read it out to you, what's the thing that stands out to you the most? Mm-hmm. So sure. I'll start. I'll start with the AL East. Um, currently, we have the Red Sox in first at twelve and seven, Rays in second at ten and nine, then the Orioles eight and ten, Blue Jays eight and ten, Yankees in last place at six and eleven. Um, first thing that comes to mind when I read that is what's the, What's the most surprising or first thing you think of? Uh, for me, it's actually what Nick was talking about earlier, that a bunch of the favorites are in last place. I've talked a ton about how good I think the Yankees are and can be, and I still think that they are the best team in this division. But what's really fun and interesting about the fact that they've started out so slowly is that even if they are the best team and play like the best team from here on out. The fact that they've started off so slow should keep the race either close longer or possibly lead to a different result than we were expecting later on in the season. So even though these early games can seem insignificant, it can actually help tighten the races later on. Whereas if the Yankees had gotten off to like a 17 and five start, we'd be like, Oh, well this division's kind of over, but I could see honestly all, well, not the Orioles, but every other team in this division competing for a playoff spot. And I think that that's the same for me. You know, the the I think the cold start from the Yankees and the the hot start from the Red Sox kind of bodes well for a four team race in that division, at least going into August, maybe September. So it, I wasn't expecting that, but it'd be cool to see. Definitely. Um, I'll give a little shout out to the Red Sox. Like as far as I know, they didn't have any major upgrades or big changes to this roster from last year where they were bad to this year. Like nothing, not like a few moves here and there, but nothing really to change, move the needle very much. And they've been coming out swinging. They, they're, on fire they're great offense you don't want to have your pitches against them um their pitching has been surprisingly good so uh i don't know if it'll last i hope they can stay healthy but i love what i'm seeing out of the red sox and it's really cool to see them um it's always cool when you see a story of a team that wasn't good last year wasn't supposed to be that good this year and they're doing really well so i hope they keep it up that'd be a really fun story to talk about 
Well, um, you could also um, yeah. almost think of Eduardo Rodriguez as an acquisition for the Red Sox this offseason because he had that heart problem last year and didn't play at all. True. So it's pretty much like getting a number two starter. Yeah. It is like getting a number two starter. And at some point this season, like I uh, supposed to be in like June, July, something like that, Chris Sale's coming back. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're doing well without Chris Sale, who's their bona fide ace, is very impressive. So good for them. Um, Let's go to the next division, AL Central. Uh, Royals in first, 10 and 7. White Sox in second with nine and nine, Cleveland eight and eight. So technically they're tied. Um, Tigers seven and 12, Twins six and 11. Um, I'll go out on a limb and say that I, I remember I made one of my bold predictions that the Royals would have a top 10 offense in the league. That projection is looking pretty decent right now. I did not expect them to actually be that good and the fact that they're 10 and 7 is just amazing to me I've I have been sleeping on them I haven't watched too much of the Royals but good for them I think for me my my initial thought is this might be the worst division in baseball behind you know it it it, it probably won't pan out that way you know look at it. it's gonna it's gonna come down to the wire with the nl central but it just the twins you know they they've had some setbacks early uh six and eleven that's not good they'll, they'll bring it back for sure white Sox nine and nine they've had some injury concerns um indians great pitching awful hitting We'll see how far they go. I just see, I see four teams that are all hovering between seventy-six and eighty-four wins, and then the Tigers. Yeah, yeah I I agree with that. Kind of like what I was just saying with the ALEs. I think this is another four-team race. I wasn't as high on the Royals coming in, and I'm still not sold on the bottom of their lineup and the back end of their rotation, and really the back end of their bullpen. I think that they have a very top-heavy roster, so I'm not sure if that'll last a full season. So I would probably pick them to finish fourth, but I still think that we could see four teams pushing for a division title. I don't think a wild card is likely to come out of this division, but it should be pretty exciting. Jesse, are you still confident about the White Sox running away with this, or do you think it's more likely to be close? I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be close. I don't. I don't think. I. I never thought that the White Sox were gonna like run away with it or be. Mm-hmm. I guess I thought they'd be a little bit more dominant than they have been, and they've shown flashes of it. Like there's games where they just wreck their opponent. They already have the no hitter with Rodon, and they've had a few gems from Giolito. So, uh, I mean, like they they show plenty of signs. Eloy being hurt, obviously hurts them. Kopech's uh, been a great little addition for them. He's been looking brilliant. So there, there's a lot of good signs with the White Sox. I do think they're the best team in that division by a decent chunk or like a small to decent chunk. But um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I wouldn't disagree that this is probably the worst division in the league. And uh, I think it will be pretty competitive. My my whole theory with the White Sox winning the World Series, which I'm, I have 
money on it now, so I can't back away from it. But I, I, I just think they'll get hot at the right time. So that's my take on sure. it. Um, cool. Anyone? And yeah, like with them, I think that like if if they can get all their cylinders clicking, I feel like the White Sox are as deadly as any team. So that's where I stand with them. Um, let's go to the next one. AL West. This one's just wild. It's uh, Athletics in first at 12 and seven. I had them. Uh, I mentioned, oh yeah, 12 and seven. Uh, Mariners 11 and seven. Angels nine and seven. Rangers nine and ten, and then Astros seven and ten. Um, where are we at there? I think to me this is kind of similar to the AL East again. This is so exciting that all four American League divisions and really five out of the six divisions look like complete toss-ups right now in terms of who's going to win the division. I think almost any baseball fan would pick the Dodgers to win the West. But if you ask 100 baseball fans who's going to win any other division, I don't, I'm not sure you'll get more than 75% for any team in any division right now. That's really exciting. Um, the fact that the Astros started out slowly is a good sign for this division being competitive. And again, four teams that could push. I think the Mariners are less likely. They do have a bunch of young talent that should be up at some point. But the Angels should be competitive. The Astros are going to be competitive. They'll get Framber back at some point. And then the third team that oh the A's obviously um have been playing well and they'll be competitive so that's three teams that should definitely be in it and a fourth that could be a fringe contender as well so this is gonna be very a very exciting year in the American League and it's really we're due for this because it feels like the AL has been kind of stacked um where the last five years we know it's gonna be the Yankees we know it's gonna be the Astros and at least for a few years we knew it was gonna be the Twins um or and the Indians before them. So it's exciting that it's a lot more up in the air this year. Definitely. Oh yeah. I feel like, I feel like the AL West is going to be a very, very fun division to watch pretty much the whole year. Like the Rangers, I, I just, I just count them out, even though they're technically uh, just as good as anyone right now. But uh, yeah, like, Astros, Angels, Mariners, and Athletics are all going to be duking it out all year, and you love to see it. Um, mm -hmm. Nick, that Nick, this division has your beloved Angels. What do you think? Um, first impression is that uh, Otani is a lot of fun to watch oh, um, yeah. on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, I, I – I look at this and it's another competitive division. Um, all, all three of these divisions, uh, we, you know, we keep touching on it, but the, the supposed front runner is in last place. And the longer they remain in last place, the more competitive the division gets because they're, you know, they're not going to, the Astros are not going to finish in last place. The Astros are probably, I would be very surprised if they finish under second. But the longer they remain, seven and ten, eight and twelve, twenty and twenty-six, the you know the closer it is come September, and that bodes for exciting September baseball. So that's what we want. That's what Absolutely. we want. Baby. This is the uh, your Angels' best chance, really, to get in the playoffs in a long time, because the Astros have finally taken that step back that we've been waiting for for a few years. So I feel like. 
Angels fans and A's fans have to be really excited, especially A's fans, man, because they won 100 games a couple times, or 97 games and had to play in a wild card and upper 90s again and had to play in a wild card. So this year, if they get to that 97 win threshold, I think they will have a division title instead of a wild card because I doubt the Astros are going to be that 100 win team that we saw in the past. Yeah, definitely. Um, do we know the status on Framber Valdez? I, I didn't look. That I haven't up. seen any update. He's he's on my fantasy team. He's riding my injured list, and I haven't seen an update since like the first week of the season. So they've been so quiet on him. It's yeah, really it's weird. strange. Very, very weird. Very deceptive. Because he broke his finger, and everyone was like, "Oh, he'll be out for a little bit." And then they were like, "Actually, he's out for the season." Everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> and then they were like, "Actually, he's not out for the season. It's actually very promising." And then they haven't said anything in like a month. Yeah. <laughs> like, Always been that hurt. We're just not going to tell you anything. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess why would they say something? Just like, we're obviously we want to know, but if you're an organization, like what competitive advantage do you gain by telling your division rivals how long Fran Vervaldez is going to be injured for? Yeah. I think you'd rather keep that to yourself. Probably. Um, let's see here. Let's go to the NL. NL East, uh, we got the Mets at seven and six, Phillies nine and nine, Marlins eight and nine, Nationals seven and nine, Braves eight and ten. That whole division is with is like like the Braves are one point five games behind the division leader. So this is complete toss up right now. Um, I I'll say really quickly that the Marlins have been a pleasant surprise for me. They've been so competitive and fun to watch, like on a game to game basis um, that I really like to, I'd really like if they were competitive down to the wire in the seat in the postseason, or not in the postseason, in the regular season. And we'll see if that happens. Um, it just might, but I think this whole division I have the Braves and the Mets as the top two, and I don't know. Like, the the Mets have not wowed me at all, and the Braves are showing a lot of flaws. So I think this division might be a lot more wide open than we think. And I, I think it's going to be worse than we think, too. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of injuries come out from the Braves, slow starts, Mets not looking – too great you know maybe it's the cold weather who knows but um i've never been high on the phillies i don't think they'll uh last down the stretch the nationals i just don't think they have the pieces marlins are (laughs) a dark horse but um i just think um I, i guess my first impression or my impression is you know looking at the marlins rotation and what they've done they could be a real dark horse for best rotation in the national league, maybe MLB if they continue it down the stretch, if they stay healthy, they're not better than the Dodgers. Yeah. Okay. Second best rotation. (laughs) They, I agree with you that they look really good, but yeah, Bauer Bueller and Kershaw have something to say about that. Yeah, that's true. The Dodgers, man. Always, always making everyone look bad. Every, every, right. Every time you think someone else has the best something, you just have to remember that they don't because the Dodgers do. 
and it's just ridiculous. I mean, they only they only have one World Series, but they've just been uh, since 2013. They have been been the dominant team in the NL, mm-hmm. and that you and you don't I, see the last time you saw a streak like that. You know, maybe the Yankees uh, late probably. 2000s or or not late 2000s, late, late 90s. 90s. You know, the Twins won a lot of AL Central divisions in the mid-2000s, but they never went anywhere in the playoffs. Um, Braves in the 90s also. Braves in the 90s. You just – you don't see something like this very often, and it really is special. And it's going to continue. I mean, (laughs) that that's the crazy part. Like, there's no end in sight to Dodgers' dominance. No, there's not. No. Um, I did hear, like, Ken Rosenthal – uh, talked about this a little bit on a podcast I heard where he, um, speaking of the Dodgers, they, like someone asked if the Dodgers are as dominant as the 90s Braves. And I was just like, of course, duh. But this was before my time. The Braves won their division like 14 years in a row. Mm-hmm. Something like it, that. From, from like 91 until 2005 or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what? The, like that's insane. <laughs> so the uh, so I guess the Dodgers still have a long ways to go until they reach that. They matched the Braves in that dominant run with uh, one World Series. So I guess in order to compare to that dynasty, they need to uh, win. I guess they need to win another World Series, but they have plenty of years to do that. So. Uh, yeah, no, no end in sight for them. Um, but for this, and uh, yeah, for this NL East division, it's honestly like if the Mets, the Phillies, or the Braves won, I wouldn't be that surprised. If the Marlins or Nationals made a run, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be pretty surprised. But like, it's this seems like maybe one of the more competitive divisions every division seems pretty competitive so yeah they really all are it's pretty awesome i think that the at least for me i'm so nick you said you're lower on the phillies i think the team that i'm lower on is the nationals i said at the beginning of the year really everything needs to go perfect for this team if they want to make the playoffs because they have so much money tied up in their superstars and already Strasburg is hurt already corbin is not pitching well and they need pretty much everything to go perfect Mm -hmm. um, because they have so many holes at the back end of the roster. I do agree with you too, that the Phillies are a step down from the Braves and Mets, as we've talked about before. Um, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to the Marlins just because they've impressed me as well. I never doubted their young pitching with Sixto and who, I mean, who hasn't even pitched yet and Alcantara, Papo Lopez, Trevor Rogers. They have a really good young rotation um, as Nick was just talking about, but I thought their offense was going to be really lacking and was going to keep them from being a competitive team. But their offense has been good so far. And really, if you look at their lineup, it's at least average hitters at every spot. So they should be able to at least be a, you know, middle of the pack to maybe slightly below average offense, which as long as they're not abysmal, their pitching should keep them as a fringe, maybe 500 or so team, which is a lot better than I would have said a couple weeks ago. Definitely. Um, okay, let's go to the NL Central. Uh, we got the Brewers, 11-7, and seven, Reds, 9-9, nine nine, Pirates, 9-10, and 
Cubs eight and nine, and Cardinals eight and ten. Um, I'm surprised. Like just look, just looking at this, I remember the Pirates got off to a terrible start. They were like two and six or something like that, and they're now nine and ten and competitive. I I wasn't expecting that. I still don't expect much from them for the season. So. It's not that big of a standout, but the fact that they're right there right now is very impressive. Um, the Brewers have been killing it. Love to see it. Um, the Reds' offense has been great. Their pitching has been pretty bad. The Cubs have been often I, – I, I can go into a lot of details about the Cubs, but there's been a lot of good and a lot of bad with them. So same with the Cardinals. Um, this seems like a very up-in-the-air division, too, right now. Um, with Woodruff and Burns, I don't see how they lose the division at this point if they continue to be as dominant as they are in Freddie Peralta. That just gives them, like, basically the three best starters in the whole division that I can think of. Um, Flaherty would be close, but you yeah. could argue Peralta's – as talented. Flaherty and Luis Castillo, even though he's been very streaky, um, no one on the Cubs or the Pirates even come close. So, I, but yeah, so I, I guess it's the Brewers division to lose at this point, and it should be a pretty competitive division to watch. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I was going to say, if I could change one division pick that I had from the beginning from the beginning of the year already it would be this one I think I said that I could see either the Cubs Cardinals or Brewers winning um, but I if I had to make a choice I would have said the Cardinals at the beginning of the year and right now I would say the Brewers um, just with the way that Burns has pitched especially but the way that their roster looks overall they don't have any holes either um, their lineup in general is kind of weak um, but they just went into San Diego, and I think they ended up sweeping that series, and Yelich and Kane didn't play in any of the games. And they still won fairly easily in a few of them. Obviously, it's a tiny sample size looking at only three games in San Diego. But to me, they just look like a very complete team. Maybe they don't have the upper-end talent outside of Burns, Woodruff, possibly Yelich, and Peralta. Um, but I think this looks like the best team right now and if I could I would change that pick yeah yeah I'm I'm with you on that I, I and I think just the kind of dominance of the Brewers is is surprised me I knew they they were gonna be good I knew they were gonna have good starting pitching but I didn't think that they would be able to manhandle teams like the Padres like they just did and you know, they, I think they can absolutely keep it up. Um, I think they're going to do better than I thought they would. Um, I, in my prediction, I think I chose the Cubs, <laughs> which probably wasn't wasn't the best pick. But they've turned it, it around a little bit. It, yeah, it, I feel like they're going to be one of those really streaky teams where they absolutely started out kind of like the A's a little bit. You know, they started out cold, as cold as can be. But in the past, I think I I don't remember the exact stat, but I think in the past four games they scored more runs than they did in the previous like thirteen. So they're either they're just running super cold or they're running they're firing on all cylinders. 
Um, so we'll see how that plays down the stretch, but it's, it's going to be the Brewers division to lose. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give my little quick Cubs corner cause I'm the Cubs guy here right now. Uh, with with Fernando out, I'm I'm alone here. Uh, the Cubs have turned from absolutely no offense to switching off between absolutely no offense and offensive explosions, um, where they score like 13, 14, 15, 16 runs, or they score nothing. Um, I don't really have any trust in consistency, obviously, with them, um, and neither with their pitching. There's obviously some pieces that they could use. Having someone like, I don't know, you Darvish would be really useful. But um, with them, their hopes are alive. I, like there's, uh, there's flashes of brilliance with Bryant and Baez, and they play hard, and I, I think they can be competitive. I, I don't think they're the best team. They obviously lack top-end pitching. Um, Kimbrell's been really good, obviously, but um, they're, they don't really have anything special going for them on the pitching end. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they buy or sell. Um, given how competitive the entire league has been, the entire trading deadline is going to be very interesting to talk about. That's something to talk about at a later date, but We'll see. I feel like the Cubs are the most interesting team to talk about when it comes to like what might happen at the deadline if they want to go for it or sell. So that'll be my takeaway from them as well. Um, okay, last division here, NL West. This is this has the least amount of parity, I, but there's some interesting aspects to it for sure. Dodgers in first, fourteen and four. Killing, killing the game as usual. Giants eleven and seven. That's a surprise. Padres ten and ten. D-backs nine and ten. Rockies six and twelve. Um, this is Ryan. I think you'll talk about this a little bit. But the Dodgers Padres series was awesome. Um, I'm very pleasantly surprised by the Giants. I need to watch more of them, but they've been playing their hearts out and they've been kicking butt and I like to see it. So it's, it's been a fun division. I, it's just more of a question of who's going to get a wild card spot below the Dodgers is the only problem with this division. Yeah. I think that the Rockies are the second worst team in the league behind Pittsburgh and Arizona's not very good in my eyes. So I think that those teams are, probably ones you can ignore for the most part, but the giants are probably, I don't know, a 20% chance to reach the playoffs, something like that. Maybe a little lower. I put them in a similar tier as like the Phillies, um, a possible contender, but not a team that you would choose as most likely to wind up in that wild card spot. But I guess my main thought on this division is just the Padres and the Dodgers. You mentioned it briefly, but the Padres Dodgers series last weekend was out of all the good baseball that we've seen, that was the best baseball that we've seen. There was the extra inning game in the first game. I watched most of the first two games. The first game went like 11 innings or something. It was crazy. Padres came back and tied it, had a chance to walk it off and didn't. Then in game two, 
pitching battle and the Dodgers are winning two nothing Padres have the tying run in scoring position with two outs in the ninth and Tommy Pham has a line drive Mookie Betts makes a diving catch to end the game to preserve the two nothing shutout that game was incredible and then Sunday I only saw a little bit but that game was also incredible that the Padres ended up winning that one um, and then they're starting another four-game set tonight. I think that game actually just started. I'm going to watch that after this. Yeah, I'm um, But I'll, yeah, I'll definitely be watching a bunch of that this weekend because even though the Padres have only started 10-10, and 10, I think they're still the second-best team in the National League. And even if the division itself isn't close by the end of the season, I still will want to watch the Dodgers versus Padres just because it's such high-quality baseball and – Hopefully, hopefully the division's close, and if it's not, hopefully it is in future years, and the Padres will still be fighting for a playoff spot or home field in the wild card or something like that. So those are the two teams I'll be watching a ton this year. And it's cool because it, it kind of makes you think, is this the new Yankees-Red Sox? Mm-hmm. Dodgers-Padres. You know, everyone's it, it, locked up on both teams. Like they'll right. be there for a while. They'll be there for a while. They're 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 both gonna be good, you know, as far as we can see. And you know, they're not far from each other. <laughs> you know, it, it it's kind of weird that uh you know, Dodgers are large mar- market, but the Padres, they're bottom third market, bottom half market in, in the in the MLB. So to to see them I, I've said this about Otani, but I, I feel like the Padres being good is good for baseball. Definitely. Yeah, I'd agree. The yeah, the the the, the San, San Francisco, LA, and San Diego are all at the top. The the coastal elites win again. You can't stop it. <laughs> West coast, West Coast, best coast. What one little fact I heard about um, Mookie Betts today on the Dodgers that I found pretty interesting is in terms of sprint speed. Um, I don't know how they calculated. I'm assuming just like their speed from home plate to first or first to second or just their sprint speed, I suppose, measure like whatever miles per hour it is. Um, Mookie Betts has historically been in the 70 percentile, like somewhere between 70 and 80 percentile. One of the, on the faster end of players, he's on the 40 sec. He's like the 42nd percentile this year. So he's actually on the slower end of players wow. this year, which I would is, have never guessed that. I, I would have never guessed that either. And I have no idea. Uh, like he's been hitting fine. I, and doesn't seem to be any concern because the Dodgers are winning, but I, is 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 Mookie Betts a bum? Well, I, I was going to say, well, I, I would be interested to see that number in like another month or two to see yeah. if it changes or if, I mean, because, yeah, like you were saying, if they're calculating it from him running from home to first or maybe on some of his outfield balls tracking down fly balls, like maybe he's just not running at 100%, like he's running at 95% or whatever. Yeah. So I feel like that's hard. They're not lining all these guys up, making them run a 40 yard dash and timing it. So, yeah, I just thought that was a little, a, weird, a little inexact, but I, that thought, is that, I thought, I thought that was a weird stat. Cause I, they didn't say it like, they didn't mention how it's measured. So I'm just like, I, I don't think that Mookie Betts has lost a lot of athleticism all of a sudden. Like, 
-hmm. it doesn't really add up to me but i thought that was kind of interesting that i don't know maybe he's hustling less i I don't know they seem to be doing just fine so mookie betts is doing his job living up to his price um let's see here the that pretty much does it if there's one team if there's one team that has thoroughly like pleasantly or negatively surprised you in the entire league so far who would you say uh uh, i'm not sure it's been still probably too early (laughs) for me to have like a big change of heart or like a big surprise but it would be the brewers i guess since they're the one team that i said i would flip my preseason pick i've been most impressed with their ability to stay afloat that's fair okay so we have two more little sections to go here um before we're gonna do attaboy where we shout out some of our favorite players of the past couple days but um really quick we're gonna play the uh war game i want you guys to give me the top five in war for pitchers right now Degrom. DeGrom is number five. Burns. Burns is number two. Rodon. Actually, Burns is in a three-way tie for number one, so. Hmm. Rodon. Rodon is not there. Really? No, he's Bieber. not close, actually. Uh, Bieber is number seven. Cole? Hmm. Cole is, number, is one of the people tied for first. Hmm. I just had Musgrove. Head and then I told you. Oh yeah. No. Nope. Call. No, nope. he's in eleven. <laughs> good call though. That was a good um, call. I think it's just because. Oh, Ker- Kershaw was the surprise last time we did this. That's what I was gonna say. I was yeah, gonna say Kershaw. Kershaw's number four. So you That's guys, you guys have two. You guys have uh, out of the three pitchers tied for first. You have Burns and Cole. Number four is Kershaw. Number five is Degrom. Who's the other guy tied for first? You guys have mentioned was, this already on this episode. Um, mm. I do not think American League. American League. Um, hmm. Oh, Glass. Giolito? Yeah, Glass now. Oh. There you go. Okay, now, so. Glass, yeah, Glass now and Burns are just killing it. Garrett Cole's right with them, so no, no shockers outside of. I mean, I mean, I guess Glass now and Burns being at the top are kind of shocking, but it's still early. But they've been killing it. Shout out to them. No shock that Kershaw and Cole are at the top as well. Uh, let's go with hitters. Acuna. Acuna is tied for first place with... With Trout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was easy. Um, so three, four, and five, what do we got? Actually, I'll throw in a sixth place who's tied for fifth as well. Buxton? Buxton, no. I'm actually scrolling down quite a bit. I don't know where Buxton's at. Matt he Olson? He some games. Matt Olson, no. Buxton might not qualify. I'm going to look up his. Are you on Fangraphs? Yeah, I'm on Fangraphs. 
Oh, you don't look it up. You know. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm looking at Bucks. <laughs> I'm just looking at Bucks. Well, I'm just gonna look it up. Like, Cheater. <laughs> I'm just gonna start rattling them off. <laughs> yeah. uh, Buxton is at 1.6, uh, so I don't know where that would rank. Oh, that would be tied for first as well. Okay, I think he doesn't qualify because he missed some games, but he's been so incredible that he still has that much. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess he's tied for first, so it's. But still, there's who else? On this list for qualified people. Justin Turner. He is number five. Mm-hmm. Or he's tied for number five. I know he's been incredible offensively. Um, Give us a couple hints. Little hint. One is a DH. Oh, JD Martinez. JD. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. JD Martinez, number four, killing it. Otani? That he's that high. No, not Otani. Oh, good guess. Um, I'm sure his pitching plus hitting war combined is probably mm-hmm. puts him in like first place overall, but I, he might not be qualified here. I'm not completely sure. Um, there's one – okay, here. A good hint would be this guy is – Killing it offensively, not known as a defender. I was gonna say, <laughs> this is if we're talking about hitters, he better he better be uh, <laughs> yeah right. Better be hitting well. Uh, is it if he's yeah flat? Yup. Mm, really good guess. Nice. He's in second place, or wow. I guess I guess if Buxton's at one point six, then. Acuna, Trout, and Buxton are all at 1.6. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is at 1.3. And then there's three players tied at 1.1. You guys have mentioned JD and Justin Turner. The other guy is a rookie. Or I don't know if he's a rookie. He might be a second-year player. Young kid. What league? National League. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm stumped. Okay, well, I'm going yeah, to transition too. into the next section. Um, Ryan, oh, I, okay, you're, I know uh, <laughs> you're Attaboy. Yeah, so now I know who it you, is. You, you can you, Ryan can go with Attaboy's first. Okay, so the answer then is Jazz Chisholm. Mm. Yeah, who has been incredible. I knew he'd been really good. I guess that makes sense just because he is good at everything. Is he a rookie or uh, second year? He's a rookie. Yeah, he. I mean, he debuted last year, but he's still technically a rookie. Okay. This year. Um, we've talked about him a couple of times, actually, because he was traded for Zach Gallen. And that was, like, a really big deal because Gallen had debuted with the Marlins and looked really good. But I guess they decided, and probably rightly so, that they already had enough good young pitching. So they traded him. But they instead of getting a sure bet, they traded him for Chisholm who at the time two years ago was like still in double A and was striking out a ton, um, was obviously a very hyped prospect, but it was a big risk. So to see him playing well is huge. Obviously he's one reason why the Marlins have been playing well and they need him because their offense as a whole really lacks any star power outside of, I guess, Starling Marte. But even he is probably like a three to four win player at best. And they've missed so many times recently with position players. Pretty much everyone they got in the Yelich trade, whether it was 
Lewis Brinson or Monty Harrison or Isan Diaz. None of those guys really look like much. Um, a bunch of their draft picks haven't worked out. So they kind of the opposite of the Cubs. They've developed, they've developed young pitching, but have not developed young hitting. So Chisholm can be, obviously, if he can be a superstar, that's incredible. But even just like a really good player, that's exciting. And he's a fun one to watch, too, because he steals bases. He hits for power. He hits for average. He is super exciting. He's got like really bright blue hair. So just kind of a very unique, fun guy to watch. I know um, MLB.com, they love to be super hype. And they're like, is he the next Mike Trout? <laughs> yeah. I, just, I don't know about I love, that. But. I love, I love those types of takes like early in the season mm-hmm. from someone like some, someone, something like the MLB or something that needs to hype it up is like, you got to watch this guy. He's the next Mike Trout. <laughs> who, who is the next Mike Trout? The answer might surprise you. Jazz Chisholm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll go with, uh, with my attaboy. Um, and I've already mentioned him a couple times. Matt Olson during the A's 11 game win streak has six home runs and 14 RBIs which is absurd. So it seems like uh, there's a solid correlation there. The A's will win if Matt Olson does well. We'll see if that pans out over the season, but mad kudos. That's quite the, it's quite the stretch of having. Hell yeah. No um, doubt. I'd say my, my off the cuff attaboy has been, um, Joey Votto, he started really cold this year, but the past week or so, he's been tearing it up, being like old school Joey Votto, where he's hitting dingers, he's walking. His his, I don't. I need to actually pull up his OBP right now, uh, but he's. A lot of people talk about his retirement that he's on a farewell tour. I don't know if he's like announced that or anything, but. Um, He's been tearing it up recently, and I, I think it goes underappreciated just how good Joey Votto has been and how good he is. And I think his the, entire career is underrated. Yeah. The thing that makes me sad is both of your guys' attaboys were on my fantasy team at one point, oh, and, I, dro- and no. I dropped both of them. <laughs> one, one of them is currently on, that's Votto. The other guy I dropped for some bum because I thought that was also <laughs> a bum, and now he's on a guy who whooped my ass last week in fantasy, partially because of this guy, uh, Trevor Rogers with the, mm. with the Marlins. Um, here, what, let me pull up. His stats have been actually kind of the the hindsight is twenty twenty, but I I, I had Jazz because I saw he he was hitting a little bit. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's he's doing well. He did he I think I held him for a week and then he kind of got a little cold. And I'm like, ah, you know, the, he's yeah he'll he'll have some flashes, but he's proving me wrong right now. And then I I had Vado to start the season because I accidentally dropped Jared Walsh, which was just. Boneheaded, boneheaded mistakes early on for me, offensively yeah. at least. Um, and, and I had Votto, and he was just stone cold. I'm like, I can't do this. And so I dropped him, and Jesse picked him up, and now he's doing great. So may, maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your They're problem. just waiting to get off your squad, Nick. 
But yeah, no, I mean, like this guy, Trevor Rogers, who no one really like decent prospect, nothing, nothing special, but he has a 1.64 ERA, 31 Ks and 10 walks and a one, a 1.00 whip. Um, like no, like who the hell is this guy? He's all of a sudden dealing in the league, getting hella, hella strikeouts and just, being extremely impressive, um, not anything towards like Cy Young or that dominant, but for being pretty much a nobody and pitching as well as he's been pitching, uh, pretty much taking the spot that, or I guess he was going to probably be this. He was like their fifth starter. I guess he's going to maintain his spot once Sixto returns, but. Shout out to Trevor Rogers for also being really good this year. Yeah, I was going to say he's not going to be a nobody for much longer because he's really starting to look like one of their core pieces. Definitely. Um, okay, well, there was a section that I was going to talk about about um, players that we've passed the deadline where players can now – Join, like minor league players can join the MLB roster uh, without gaining that year of – or now that teams have gained a year of their eligibility. So we're going to start seeing a lot of uh, minor leaguers come up starting from now over the next month or so. Um, I do want to start diving into players that we're looking forward to seeing, but I think that's probably better set for around a time when players actually start coming up. I know Jared Kenelik with the uh, Mariners, he should be coming up in a week or two probably. Um, And then there's going to be a handful of others. Um, But I think that's probably a better conversation for a different time. Uh, Is there any last remarks anyone has? Yeah, I had one more thing that I wanted to say really quick, just kind of on the state of baseball in general. We've obviously talked about it a little bit when we were going through the divisions um, and just how competitive they are. But it feels like so recently that we were just talking about how there was kind of a lack of parity or we were going into the season and we knew four out of the six division winners and we could predict the wild cards. And there was seven or eight teams that were obviously tanking and it just kind of felt anticlimactic for a lot of the regular season. And so I'm just very excited that this season doesn't look like that. And I think a lot of the times people get impatient, but a lot of this is really cyclical because I remember like 2015, 2016, there was so much parody and that's back back when like the Royals were winning divisions and the Blue Jays were winning divisions and the Orioles were in the playoffs and the A's were winning divisions and really every single team in a five-year span it seemed like outside of maybe like Seattle and Miami was in the playoffs and so it's exciting to see that come around again and just every weekend you're going to have teams that are in contention fighting and Obviously, there's no expanded playoffs this year, but we're going to see that next year. And so I think going forward, baseball is just in a good spot in terms of competitive balance. And I think that's exciting. I think that can kind of that cyclical nature can almost be used when talking about the strikeouts and the lack of balls in play and stuff like that, that 
I know we have been waiting a long time for hitters to quote unquote, like adjust and go against and shift and things like that. But I think that I'm not sure if hitters are starting to adjust, but I feel like teams are starting to adjust. Like we saw a couple of years ago, teams did not care if they had guys who struck out a lot. Like the Astros just loaded up on guys who struck out a lot, but the hipper power or they were good in other areas. But then it seems like when these high strikeout teams got to the playoffs and started facing elite pitching, they really struggled. A big example is the Yankees bats have struggled in many postseasons now against some of the best pitchers because they can't put the ball in play. So it seems like, yeah. So it seems like some of the top teams like the Dodgers and the Astros, when they won the world series have said, obviously we need good hitters who can hit for power, but contact also does matter, especially in the playoffs. The Royals were a high contact team. So I think that it's going to take some time, but I think the teams are starting to realize that. And so I think that the strikeouts, there might need to be some tweaks with the rules, like lowering the mound and stuff like that, just because pitching is so dominant. But I do think the teams are going to start prioritizing contact even more. Um, but just good, like good contact. Like Juan Soto, I mean, Juan Soto is a unicorn, obviously. But just guys who strike out maybe 20 to 25% of the time instead of 35% of the time. Yeah, it feels like the renaissance of the three true outcome player, like the walk, strikeout, home run guy has faded a little yeah it's it's still prevalent but uh, yeah it it is starting to it's it it seems like it at least that the guys who were hanging on like the mark trumbos and the chris carters but those guys don't even really exist anymore and it's almost like uh i don't know you you still you still hear people complaining about like the oh well sabermetrics says if you hit 200 but you hit a lot of home runs that you're good like that's not really true because you don't see any low OBP, high power guys anymore. I mean, the Rangers just got rid of Odor. Like these guys are not going to be in the league for much longer. You got to get on base and you got to make contact at least at a respectable clip, unless you're hitting 45 home runs or something just ridiculous to make up for your lack of contact. And we're even seeing like Giancarlo Stanton isn't as valuable now and he still has a ton of power. Yeah. So I don't know if it's actually going to change or at what speed, but I think that we're going to start seeing more contact to get back into the game. And I think it's also going to be aided by a few rule changes along the way. And I think that's a good thing for baseball. I think it's good just to have a mix. Like you want power headers, you want strikeouts, but you also want contact. You want steals. You just want a mix of everything. I think that's when baseball is at its best. You don't want only small ball. You don't want only big boy baseball. You want a little bit of everything. I agree. I agree. I'm into that. Um, Nick, any last thoughts? Um, yeah, I, Ryan touched on a, uh, at least a little bit of what I was going to say and kind of contributing. Um, I think what is helping to spur the changes are, are going to be rule changes, but also ball changes you know they're they for the first time and who knows how long mlb came out and said we're changing the ball which maybe maybe they didn't say that exactly but you know the, and it's kind it's had a noticeable impact um and i think continuing in that direction getting away from the three true outcomes but then also implementing something like pushing the mound back a foot would seek to not only balance hitting and pitching, make pitching a little less dominant, 
Um, but also because that, that balance that pushes the, the balance towards hitters, but then not maybe, maybe not deadening the ball. That's not the right phrase, but deadening the ball, uh, making the ball uh, less lively off the bat uh, or, or I don't know what they did, but you know, so it doesn't travel as far bodes well for more contact, you know, line drive type approach rather than I'm going to try to swing for the fences every time because those balls that were squeaking over the fence, 10, five or 10 feet are now warning track power. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out in the next couple of years, but you know, MLB is exciting so far. Hopefully the hype can maintain itself as the season progresses. Yeah, I think it's in a good spot. And Jesse, maybe we could close with this. Didn't you say that MLB TV had like its best week span ever or something oh, like yeah. that? Well, yeah, they said like for the first 18 days of the season, they said it had been like their MLB.TV has had its like best streak or like best uh, ratings yet. And then seven of the first 18 days were the best seven days that MLB.TV has ever had. So ratings for baseball are looking pretty good right now. Um, and as we said our, ourselves at the beginning, um, I know I said it at least that, that, it's been very fun to watch baseball. I've been watching it more than usual, and it's just extraordinarily entertaining this year for somehow. So baseball seems to be on all cylinders going into this year. A lot of parody, a lot of competition, fun to watch. Um, maybe it is that parody. Maybe that is just the reason that – because if people are watching MLB TV, maybe they're just saying, oh, my team's in it this year. My team's also in it this year, and there's less – teams that are out of it whereas you think of like the nba ratings right now are kind of tanking because when i've i've honestly tried to watch a few nba regular season games just when i've been bored and i i cannot even get through it because they just don't even care that the players themselves don't care it's like yeah. why why would i watch if you're playing and you don't care then i definitely don't care like i'll like watch and it and, it, and then you watch the playoffs and then it's like a whole different game you're like oh now they're trying like they're not even hiding the fact that they don't try in the regular season. So I think that's why no one watches and MLB is clearly very different where they're clearly trying. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It seems, it seems like, yeah, the, the effort divide between regular season and playoff, like just level of play for basketball is night and day compared mm -hmm. to baseball, especially this year, it seems like everyone's trying to win every game and like, you don't see that much, obviously based like playoff baseball is crazy, but uh, it's just been, it's been fun to watch. It's been competitive. It's been sports. So uh, I can't even remember what I was doing with my life before baseball started <laughs> at this point. Like I'm at that mm -hmm. point already. I, I always get that feeling when, well, like when football season's in swing, I'm always like, what do I, what did I do on Sundays when football isn't on? And now, and now I'm feeling that way, but like every single day, <laughs> 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 like, what was I doing when baseball wasn't on? Like, what was I yeah. watching? 
don't even know, fucking know. Mm-hmm. But relatable. Yeah. No, it's been it's been it's been awesome. So I'm very glad that we got to get this uh, pot in. I'm glad baseball's been fun. Uh, it's been a good time here. Um, I think that's it for everyone listening. Thank you. We appreciate all ten of you or so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to grow to an empire one day. Just watch us. So, uh, but for now I'm Jesse with Ryan and Nick, and I'm sure next episode we'll have the whole squad with Fernando. Um, thing, good things to come, plenty of baseball to go, plenty of things to talk about. So for now, this is baseball dork signing off. Peace.